Well, Feast Week is over. The tryptophan is wearing off, and college basketball will have a brand new top five after a chaotic week of games. Who do you all think should be number one? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a five times per week national college hoop show part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your co-hosts, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade. Isaac, Feast Week is over. What an incredible slate of games, of competition, of surprises, upsets, all of the things that we love about college basketball. We saw them over this weekend as we hoped that we would. We got multiple overtimes against tremendous upsets. The biggest thing that I want to talk about here at the beginning of the show is just what the top five or really even what the top one is going to look like. It's been a long time since we've really seen so much turnover early in the season. And of course there's could be lengthy conversations to be had about why that is uh, changes to the game of college basketball in general. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be Gonzaga. It's got not going to be North Carolina. Those are the two teams that were one and two to begin the season. Neither of them are in the number one conversation right now. It's looking like it's going to be between a couple of schools located in the great state of Texas I would love to hear your thoughts on the number one overall seed and a wild week of games uh, over Feast Week. Yeah, Andy, you're spot on, man. I am full on turkey and I am full <laughs> on basketball. Yes. Like the season is really going now. We've had Feast Week, the MTEs. Uh, it's just so great. As we record, the the Phil Knight Invitational Championship is mm-hmm. going. UConn is up 26-15 on Iowa State, five and a half left in the first half as you said neither of the top two teams to start the season uh are gonna be probably neither of them in the top five again this week both have two losses now it ain't North Carolina it ain't Gonzaga but but here's the thing there no team has established itself as the team and that's precisely why we're even having this conversation about who is it I think we all think it will either be Houston or Texas Mm -hmm. as number one team in the land but I mean, Houston looked vulnerable-ish at times last week, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't even score fifty points against. I think they barely scored fifty points against Kent State. Like that's they, right. I think it was forty-nine to forty-four. Was the yeah, final their defense is incredible, but yeah. offensively, oh, there's some question marks. There. Where are we at? Yeah, and so like, um, man. All of these teams are capable, though, like Mm -hmm. Texas, Arizona, Kansas, Kentucky, but Mm -hmm. none of them are the definitive number one team in the land. We just don't have that right now. Like as you look at Mm -hmm. this week's top 10, multiple of those teams have taken multiple losses, um, including the current number one team in the land, North Carolina, who we'll talk about more in just a little bit. So Mm -hmm. as for who is number one, I think you're right. It's got to be one of these two teams in the state of Texas, either the the big orange in Austin hook for my wife, who is a a longhorn, by the way, (laughs) or or the Houston Cougars, right? Like, let's get some five slam ajama action back and going. Um, For me, I, I'm going to go with Texas. I know like if you look at their Ken Palm numbers right now, yeah. it's like strength of schedule. You and I were talking about this earlier. Yeah. It's just not quite there as it is for some other teams. Like Gonzaga has mm-hmm. the third best um, non-conference strength of schedule right now. Yeah. But man, the way Texas looked in dismantling Gonzaga, um, like I just, I was highly impressed, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the only time we've seen them in that high capacity a game. Mm-hmm. But for me, it is the Longhorns and everything they have going right now. 
I would love to see Houston and Texas play. Like, I think that would be an incredibly fun. Which match. we will soon when they're yeah. in the No, wait. They won't be in no, the they same. Won't. They're both they're leaving. Gonna... Hopefully they'll find a way to play each other uh, in the non-conference uh, because I think that would be just an incredible matchup for these two teams. But, yeah, Texas, right now the strength of schedule, obviously they played Gonzaga. It was a home game, uh, and they waxed them. They, they deserve plenty of credit for the victory that they had against the Zags. But other than that, we just haven't seen them get challenged all that aggressively. Now, Houston, or you know, they haven't had a particularly exceptional non-conference schedule as well. They did play Oregon, uh, an Oregon team that has kind of had some strange ups and downs so far this season, but ultimately uh, does not look like a team that deserved their top 20 ranking or top 25 ranking to begin the season. So I don't know that that's as huge of a victory for Houston. It is also worth noting though, that that was a true road game for the Cougars. So they, they get some, they get a bump there. Uh, but yeah, after that, Houston and Texas are definitely the, the top two teams in my mind. And it's a bit of a virtue of just like being the teams that haven't fallen yet. They, <laughs> they have not lost a game yet. Uh, there are, there are other very good undefeated teams as well. Virginia is a team that I think absolutely needs to be in the top five conversation. They're top five per Ken Palm. They're undefeated. Uh, they've, they have a, an elite offense and defense. One of very two teams that have their, their offense and defense per Ken Palm are both in the top 15. Not a lot of teams. I uh, also, I think it would surprise people to find out that Virginia's offense is 10 yeah. spots higher yeah. than yeah. their defense. That is unusual uh, for a Tony Bennett led team, but they have looked fantastic. Right. Uh, and then Purdue. And I know we're going to talk about Purdue a little bit later, but I mean, goodness, it's hard to ignore what the Boilermakers have done uh, by winning themselves uh, the PK in the PKL, the legacy. Uh, by defeating Duke and, of course, defeating Gonzaga. There's a lot of good teams, uh, Baylor, Tennessee in that conversation as well, Arizona. I mean, there's there's 10 teams that I think could compete for the top five spots, but it almost yep. feels like there's a lot of teams in that group, but there's not a lot of teams that stand out as like the best team in college basketball. I think that's probably a good thing when you're looking at the state of the game in late November, early December. You don't necessarily want there to be juggernauts, and this year there's not. I agree with you, and I think that's so much part of what's going to make this season incredible, Andy, is the fact that it, like now in November, I mean, there might be a team that establishes itself more predominantly, and maybe that's going to be Houston because, quite frankly, the AAC is not going to be yeah. what Texas will have to face in the Big 12 once we get in the conference play. Right. So, um, But, I mean, Houston does have big games coming. I was just looking back at their schedule. They play Alabama on mm-hmm. December 10th. They've got Virginia on December yeah. 17th. So some yeah. big games there. And even for Texas too, they, their next two games are Creighton and Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, although Creighton's at home again for Texas. So that's interesting there. But yeah, I think this is great for, for college basketball, like to mm-hmm. have a bunch of, of really good teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to see a couple establish themselves as elite. Andy, mm-hmm. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do it. Give me right as of right now. This mm-hmm. is not like March. This is today, Monday, mm-hmm. November 28th. Who mm-hmm. is your top five in college basketball? Oh man, uh, that's a good one. Uh, well, Houston and Texas. We're gonna we're just gonna get that out of the way right now. One in that order, Houston then yeah. Texas. One Houston two. number one, Texas number two. I think Houston gets a bump uh, just by virtue of, of starting the season a little bit higher in the rankings. I think they have a, a both teams have a really balanced, really athletic group. Uh, just on the roster, obviously, Jarris Walker, Marcus Sasser are animals for Houston. I mean, really, really talented team. Jamal Shedd, great Jamal point Shedd, guard yeah. there. Uh, Texas, obviously, with the addition of freshman Dylan Mitchell, 
uh, with the guard play that they've gotten so far this year. I mean, they've just been absolutely phenomenal. So I'm going Houston and Texas. I want to see them both play some better competition, but that's coming for both teams uh, in a short order. Uh, for me, I'm going Virginia third. I, again, they're undefeated. And I think, at, you know, early in the year, if you haven't gotten a loss yet, I think you get a little bit of a bump for that. And Virginia has played some good teams. Like we said, top 15, both offensively and defensively. I'm going with the third team out of the state of Texas with the Baylor bears at fourth uh, and a team that's kind of been in the top five. They've had some challenges so far this year, but ultimately still look like a team, especially once Keontae George kind of kicks it into another gear, which I expect to happen. I think that team's going to be really good. And then I'm finishing out the top five with the volunteers, Rick Barnes's squad over at Tennessee. I think there's a lot of other teams that could be, in that conversation. I mean, a bunch of teams that could be in that conversation. Uh, but for me, Tennessee has, again, a well-balanced team offensively and defensively. Ken Palm absolutely loves them. Ken Palm has them third. They're the best defensive team in the country Poor Ken Palm. And I think that having watched them a couple of times, you can really see how much they get after it on that end of the floor. Yeah, they get that battle for Atlantis bump over that that victory over Kansas. You love to see that. The only difference I would have, other than like I said, the Texas Houston flip, is mm-hmm. I've got the Arizona Wildcats jumping yeah. all the way up to for me, dude. That offense is fun to yeah. watch. If you haven't checked out Tommy Lloyd's club, folks, make mm-hmm. sure you tune in on them. Uh, but yeah, how crazy that the state of Texas is legitimately probably going to have three teams in the top five yep. when the rankings refresh Monday. We've got a couple other schools. We won't touch on them much on the cusp of the top mm-hmm. 10. Purdue, woof, Creighton, uh, Kentucky, Gonzaga, yep. UConn uh, doing work. They're still, they're up 12 on Iowa State right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of those top five, man, it's, it's fun to see all this right now early in the season. Absolutely. Well, you know what teams you didn't hear me mention right there, Andy Patton? It was the North Carolina Tar Heels or the Duke Blue Devils. Why? Because it was a rough day on Tobacco Road Northwest. The Blue Devils and Tar Heels both go down. What is happening to these squads? We're going to talk about it. But first, this episode is brought to you by Upside. Listen, inflation has us all thinking about ways to cut back. Driving less, dining out less, whatever it may be. We can all agree there's nothing fun about having to cut back, but we need to because times are tough. But you know what? If you get into upside, you don't have to worry about cutting back so much because there is extra money in your pocket. I use upside personally every time I go to the gas station and it's legitimately helping me. So, I can keep extra cash going for me. To get started on this, join me. You can download the free Upside app and use our promo code LOCKED to get $5 cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with credit or debit card, and get paid. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. It's probably why they have a great 4.8 star rating on the app store. So again, download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. And folks, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, so why not give it a try? And then add your purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to let folks know that you are hiring. 
Also, simple tools like screening questions help you prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish the year strong and the right new hire can help you do just that. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, Andy, we talked about it and Duke loses in the championship of the Phil Knight legacy. North Mm -hmm. Carolina loses in four overtimes in the Phil Knight Invitational third place game to um, Nate Oates' Alabama team. Mm-hmm. Both of these, uh, we need to talk about both of these games, this championship, Duke and Purdue. We also want to get to the Gonzaga-Xavier third place game in the Phil Knight Legacy Bracket. Let's start with Duke, because this is one of the most talented teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. But thing, things aren't necessarily off to the best start in John Shire's first year. I mean, it's not off to a bad start by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But it's not overwhelming. But I think part of that is because we actually need to start with Purdue, who is a team that is playing at a much higher level than I believe either of us expected them to. Purdue has two wins of 19-plus points over top 10 teams in back-to-back in in, in a weekend. They beat Duke by 19 points. They beat Gonzaga, I believe, by 19 points as well. This is a really, really good team. And and the Big Ten, there was so much conversation going into the season. Who's going to be the team that steps up? All these teams lost a bunch of talented players. Is Indiana going to be the team just because they didn't really lose any talent? And like now we're looking at a Big Ten where Purdue and Michigan State in particular really stepped up in a significant way. And Indiana has been as advertised. And so, you know, you kind of look at the Big Ten and think, hey, you know, they're, they're making a little bit more noise than we thought. And yes, Duke obviously has some, some significant issues that need to be worked out uh, for Coach Shire. Uh, the lack of depth on their team outside of their top couple of guys is, is alarming. Uh, I posted this on Twitter and I'll share it here as well. 12 <laughs> points, 12 points from players on this team not named Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, or Jeremy Roach. 12 points from everybody else on that team. Derek Lively, a star freshman, guy who they're expecting to be a big-time big time contributor. 22 minutes in this game. He didn't score. He did not score in 22 minutes. 0 for 3 from the field, 0 of 2 from deep. He did have five rebounds, but he fouled out in 22 minutes. Doesn't give you any points. Mike Mitchell gives you just two in this game. Derek Whitehead, I know he has just kind of gotten acclimated to being on this roster and playing at this level. So I think we can kind of give him a little bit of a pass. And he also had six points off the bench. So he was one of their better contributors He's our fourth leading scorer in this game for Duke. But at the end of the day, you look at this team, 21 points in the second half, they just fell apart and kind of let Purdue and really Zach Eady kind of do whatever they wanted in the second half of this game. And uh, it ultimately looks like the blue devils, like a lot of teams right now, early in the season, they just got a lot of work to do. Yeah, absolutely. They're just figuring themselves out because both Lively and Whitehead, who you expect to be two of the best players on their team, mm-hmm. as you said, are both coming back from injury. You talk about Lively zero points in this game. He's mm-hmm. not had more than five points all season in the in the seven games he's played. Four, four, five, two, 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 zero. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and so I don't know if it if that's a function of he's just not it yet, or he's still right. coming back from injury. But I think the bigger thing for Duke is let's let's. Kyle Filipowski is a mm-hmm. dude, right? Mm-hmm. I, he did not get the attention he deserved yeah. um, coming into the season. 
And kind of similar, like, hear me not comparing him being as good as Zion, but it's similar thing there where Zion was third fiddle coming in to RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish. Same with Filipowski playing third fiddle to Lively and Whitehead. And he is, he's the man right now for who has some concerns with Jeremy Roach, their mm-hmm. one main experienced guard um, mm-hmm. and really one main experienced player uh, yeah. having uh, some sort of lower body injury in this game to his right foot or ankle. You're going to have yep. to monitor that to see. But as you said, the bigger story here is not Duke, it's Purdue and what they are doing. Uh, Big 10 in general, I mean, gosh, they've got so many teams that are higher in um, Ken Palm than we thought they would be. Yeah. Pretty crazy stuff there. We're going to keep an eye on it. Indiana mm-hmm. is second uh, in the Big Ten Conference at Ken Palm right now, 11th. But uh, we have six Ken Palm teams in the top 24. Six Big Ten teams in Ken That'll Palm work. 24. So uh, Big Ten maybe coming on. Do they have an elite team? That's the question that we're going to have to answer for mm-hmm. the Big Ten. But congrats to Purdue winning the Phil Knight uh, legacy, big stuff there. And now we got to flip to the other bracket. Talk about this crazy four overtime game between uh, North Carolina and Alabama. And Andy, I know you were in the building for this game. What did you see? Oh, man, I saw a lot of basketball. <laughs> I saw a whole lot of basketball. I saw some pretty horrific late game management by both teams, both player or both coaches. Uh, it was a, a really interesting, confusing fun, but also frustrating game of basketball. Yes. Um, I am so happy to have watched it without a rooting interest. I think that that probably uh, helped keep years of my life still going because it was a very stressful game of basketball. It was, uh, it, was it was, it was very fun to, to get a chance to see this game though. Obviously uh, two really talented programs. Uh, the things that really stood out to me were again, the clock management situations, Caleb Love and RJ Davis took 60 shots. 60, yes, four overtime. So some of the numbers are always going to look a little bit sure. kind of staggering when you look at that. But 50 combined field goal attempts for these two guys. They went 21 of 60, sorry, 60, 21 of 60 from the field, 53 combined points. So you like that. Uh, but I mean, look, Caleb Love and RJ Davis are great. One of the best backcourts in the country. I firmly believe that. But in a game where they took 60 shots, Pete Nance had four points. If I'm not mistaken, he did not score until... That's overtime? right. That's right. Yeah, he did. And part of the issue, it seemed like, was was Nance and Baycott couldn't play together for defensive reasons. And maybe that was an issue with Alabama's having a lot of length, having a lot of ability to stretch the floor and kind of force some of these defenders out of their comfort zone. But if North Carolina is going to be in situations where late game against good teams, they can't play two of their best players together. That's a huge problem for this team and one that I guarantee you is going to crop up later this season. Yeah, absolutely. It will. It was too much one-on-one. Caleb Love, yeah, 34 points. That's great. 36 shots. Well, like, I mean, that's just so inefficient. Yeah. Carolina's end of game management was miserable, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think Leaky Black was probably the most uh, efficient and strong yeah. player for this team. Held Brandon Miller, who we've gushed about. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah scoreless in the first half, uh, just doing a great job as he always does on defense. Better days are ahead for the Tar Heels, but it is a rough stretch at Indiana this Wednesday at Virginia Tech next Sunday. Could be a tough road for Hubert Davis's team. Absolutely. I, I think uh, 
Yeah, better days are ahead. That's a good way to put it. I think better days are ahead. I think Leaky Black was the most impressive player to me on the floor for North Carolina uh, in terms of the defense that he kind of brought uh, to this team, the energy. But it was it was it was a bit of a, a tough one to watch. Uh, not as tough, however, as what Big East fans or specifically Villanova fans, I should say, are going through with their team because my goodness, it has been such such a rough start to the season for the Wildcats. We knew, of course, Jay Wright leaving, Kyle Neptune taking over as the head coach. We knew there might be some some growing pains, some challenges early on in the season for them. Uh, Cam Whitmore and Justin Moore both out for this team right now with injuries. So I think that there is a, a grace period and, and an opportunity to be like, hey, some of these results that we've seen from Villanova are maybe not the results we're going to see from this team at the end of the year. And I believe that. Having said that, they are 2-5 and five yeah. on the season. They went 0-3 in this uh, Portland tournament in the Phil, Phil Knight Invitational, they lost to an Oregon team. For, they, they finished eighth. They finished eighth in their bracket. There was eight teams on their side of the bracket. They finished dead last on their side of the bracket. They lost to an Oregon team that is was two and five, two and four going into the game as well, and was only playing six scholarship players. That's My all they man. had. They had so many injuries up front. They were barely healthy enough to field a full team of players. Walk-ons played for huge chunks of the game, and Villanova suffered their third consecutive loss. This is. This team has a long road ahead, and yes, Whitmore, yes, more are going to be back, and those guys are very good and are going to help a lot, but boy, it has been a rough start for the Wildcats. Yeah, you know, my bold prediction about uh, Villanova not winning the regular season Big East Championships looking pretty good right about now. Like Creighton looks awesome. Yeah, I love what Creighton's doing. Yeah. Also, let's not let's uh, we're gonna have to skate by it, but great job for Gonzaga to come back yeah. um, from losing. Uh, mm-hmm. Purdue, who totally understandable now, but um, mm-hmm. come back, get a big win. Uh, mm-hmm. They were down to Xavier in this game, but great mm-hmm. tenacity. I know uh, we need to talk about Julian Strother's career high, 23 points. Yeah. And really Zach, in contrast to what North Carolina and Alabama did down the stretch, great mm-hmm. closing game for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Well, Tom Izzo and the Spartans are adding years, years to their fans' lives. Multiple close contests in the last week. We're going to touch on their latest game in our weekly quick hitters segment. But first, today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Nissan. This week's thrilling moment in college basketball is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the court for this week's thrilling moment, it's got to be this North Carolina-Alabama four-overtime game. I don't think I can think of anything more thrilling than watching two top 20 teams go into four overtimes. The number one ranked team to start the season going into four overtimes. Bama, of course, ended up winning at 103 to 102 in a game that is going to be talked about for years to come. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. All right, I have the quick hitters today, and it feels like there are a hundred games that we could talk about from over the weekend. I wanted to start, of course, with that Michigan State game against the Portland Pilots. Shantae Leggins' team deserves some serious love yes. across the country. Their last three games were a narrow eight-point loss to North Carolina, which frankly felt like a closer game than Absolutely. an eight-point loss. They were right in it. And Moses Wood stepped on the three-point or stepped on the out-of-bounds line before hitting what would have been a game-tying three in that game for the Pilots. They then went ahead and beat 
Villanova, and now just suffered a one-point loss to Michigan State. Hat tip, hat tip to Tom Izzo's squad for pulling out another one-point victory against the WCC team. Not something we thought they would have two of before December this season, but here they are. Shantae Leggins may have himself a legitimate competitor in the WCC. Yeah, absolutely they do. And Michigan State, as we know, is going to be without Malik Hall for a couple yeah. weeks now. And uh, it's been a, a little bit of a, I wouldn't say a rough go, but a tight go for the Spartans since that big win over Kentucky. Some some close wins, uh, a loss, obviously, to Alabama. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're going to have to keep our eyes on the Spartans. Um, all five starters and double figures for Tom Izzo's club. You love to see that kind of balanced scoring. And so, uh, man, going to be interesting there. I want to look at Auburn holding off St. Louis 65-60. Man, this this was very much an upset watch game for us that almost happened. The Billikens are really good this year. Wendell Green has 22 for Auburn. Ah, Just... The, the the theme for the Tigers is their defense holding St. Louis. Listen to these numbers, Andy, 38.5% from the field, 28.6% uh, from the three-point line. Not, not much there, but here's something. Auburn, even after losing uh, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, they are now 7-0 and on the young season. Next game I want to talk about is Seton Hall and Siena. Another Big East team losing a game that they should not be losing here. The Pirates, Shaheen Holloway squad fall to Siena 60 to 55. We just, we know Seton Hall is going to play defense. We know what Shaheen brings to this team. We know what they had at St. Peter's. We know, you know, his kind of style and his mantra. But is this team ever going to play offense? That's the question that we really need to answer. Obviously, they've been dealing with injuries throughout the year. They shot 37, excuse me, 32.7% from the field against Siena. 17 for 52. They went one of nine from deep. They also, in a game they lost by five to a team they should not be losing team to, they missed 12 free throws. <laughs> At the end of the day, this is not going to get it done. I, I, better days are ahead for Seton Hall. I believe that. And I think that this is this wasn't the season we were expecting them to to take a huge jump necessarily. But uh, it's clear that Shaheen's got, a, got some work to do to figure out how to get this team to score some points. Oof. Speaking of not scoring points, how about the Florida Gators? Just not performing against West Virginia in the Phil Knight legacy bracket, also up in Portland. Colin Castleton, to me, this is the issue. Three points in this game, one for six from the floor. A player of his caliber has to be not only present, but dominant in a game like this. Gators are now four and two, I believe, after the lot. No, four and three, actually. Excuse me. That is their third loss. And so um, a little bit of a rough start for the Gators at the beginning of the Todd Golden era. Ah, and, and their wins are not that impressive either. Let me just list those off. Stony Brook, 342. Kennesaw State, 214. That Oregon State team, ee, yeah. 221. And Florida State, congratulations. You beat them like everyone else did. They're 140. <laughs> so, like, Florida, I, I'm not sure what we have in the Gators and in a what's going to be a difficult SEC this year. Um, West Virginia, who is not projecting to be a strong big 12 team this year uh that that's great for their non-conference um resume and what they're doing but uh todd golden they're gonna have to figure out how to get some points on the board as well after scoring uh not many just 22 in the second half of this one yeah you mentioned florida state and guess what they lost again as oh. well. They're now one and seven on oh. the year. They lost to a not very good nebraska team 75 to 58 
was the final score in that one. A really rough showing from the Knolls. Three of 21 from deep, shot under 40% from the field, shot just 60% from the free throw line. They just don't have a go-to score. They don't have uh, the kind of presence that you need to really get this stuff done. And meanwhile, for Nebraska, Derek Walker, awesome performance from him. 10 of 12 from the field, 20 points, 13 rebounds, four assists from Derek Walker absolutely dominated the Knolls and they are now one and seven and a very, very disappointing season for Leonard Hamilton. Yeah. I mean, in the ACC preseason poll, the Knolls are picked fifth, fifth <laughs> in the ACC poll. I mean, cause it's not like Louisville, right? Like mm-hmm. Louisville is atrocious, but I think they were picked like 12th or 13th in yeah. the ACC preseason. So it's expected that they're yeah. going to be bad, but Oh my word. Uh, Leonard Hamilton's club. You know, we we've said a couple times about teams on today's show, better days are ahead. I'm not sure that they are yeah. this year's Seminoles. And so um, Andy, as we, as we wrap up today, I want to give some love to um, some teams off the radar a little bit who have seen a huge rise in their Ken Palm rankings. Yes. The top three Ken Palm risers in this year so far are Southern Miss, who have jumped 130 spots at Ken Palm from 324 to 194. Uh, second is Dunk City. Florida Gulf Coast has gone 97 up. And then third, Charleston, who I think is yeah. having a strong beginning of their year, has only lost at North Carolina, has won every other game they've played up 76 at Ken Palm. Of course, on, on the on the other side, the three biggest fallers at Ken Palm, we just talked about them. Florida State, yep. Louisville, and strangely, Loyola Chicago. Ooh. Not looking so hot off the start. They are down 70 spots from their preseason Ken Palm ranking. Folks, it, as, as we've talked about, it has been a great week, a great feast week, and there is more to come this week because we got the Big Ten ACC Challenge, we got the Big 12 Big East Battle, so plenty for us to be talking about on the shows ahead this week. As we finish off, UConn, Iowa State coming back from halftime, Huskies up 38-28, that is a team to keep your eye on. We'll talk about that Phil Knight Invitational Championship game on Tuesday's show. Thanks so much for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. For my man, Andy Patton, I'm Isaac Shade, and I want to say, until tomorrow, peace.